Good morning, Southwinds. It's really great to see you today. I want to welcome you to week four of our series, 30 Day Marriage Makeover. If you were here last week, you'll remember that we talked about how men and women are different, uh, not better, not worse, just different. And we began to see how the Bible calls husbands and wives to meet uh, each other's fundamental needs of love and respect. And this week and next, I, I want us just to dig deeper into that and really practically uh, get a better understanding of what that means in our lives. It, because I believe that as we each come to understand and, and as we each come to meet each other's greatest needs, then all kinds of really important, amazing things are going to happen. Our communication is going to deepen. We're going to find new ways to work through our conflicts, new hope for those problems that we've had and we haven't been able to seem to get past. And we're going to start today by uh, talking about how a husband can meet his wife's greatest need, which is love. Next week, we're going to turn the tables and we're going to talk about how a wife can meet her husband's greatest need, which is respect. And I'm doing this order for two reasons. First of all, it's the order that Paul talks about it in Ephesians 5. But secondly, uh, practically, I'm doing it in this order because I kind of thought about it and figured that if I, if I gave the husbands what they wanted to hear this week, they might not come back next week. So, <laughs> so what does it look like uh, when a man loves a woman? I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 33. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, this is the Bible's most important writing on the subject of marriage. And it, and it tells us so many things, more things than we're actually going to be able to cover today. This is where we find these fundamental needs of love and respect uh, brought out for us. And men, I just want to say to you that if you will immerse yourself in this passage, if you will begin to live it out in your life, you will love your wife in a way that will motivate her to respect you. And therefore, you will be able to meet one another's greatest needs. I want to show you four ways that are implications of this text that a man can love a woman. And as I, I told you last week, I have learned uh, so much uh, from Emerson Egerich's book, Love and Respect, um, and I'm drawing a lot of what I tell you from what he's written. And, and if you want to dig deeper into this, I really encourage you to get his book and, and read it. A couple of things I want to lay out so that we're all thinking about this together. Men, you need to see that the call of what Paul writes in Ephesians 5 is to love your wife unconditionally, to love your wife sacrificially. He says your love for her is to be like the love Christ has for the church. What did Jesus do to show his love? Well, he died for the church. He says you are to love your wife as your own body. It is that important, Paul says. And he says actually when you do that, when you love your wife 
as your own body. You're actually caring for yourself, nurturing yourself. In other words, you might say, loving your wife unconditionally is very, very good for you. Now, some of you, as we go through this today, some of you men might think, yeah, yeah, well, I've tried this before. But I'm gonna encourage you with this. Maybe before, uh, your wife hadn't heard what she has heard about the greatest need you have as a husband, as a man, which is for respect. Maybe now she will be more conscious of responding to you, not just with love, but, but seeking to do things that will meet your greatest need of respect, especially after next Sunday. And I really do believe that as you are both seeking this together, it will change the context of how you show her love and how she responds to that. I also want to challenge you men from a different standpoint today than, than is often done. We, we often kind of dump on men and, and tell them they need to get in touch with their feminine side. I'm not going to do that today. I am going to challenge you today to love your wife as a man of honor. This is not about you becoming pink. God didn't make you female. You don't really have a feminine side to get in touch with. God made you male. And the way that you become a loving man is you choose to do something. You choose to do something that may never be natural for you. It's not natural for me to turn to my wife, Dana, and say to her, I am sorry, would you please forgive me for acting in such an unloving way? But I do it because God commands it. It takes courage, and, and only men of honor do this. And it may never feel natural for you, but you need to know that's okay. It is okay for me to feel that this is never natural. I mean, why do you think God commanded husbands to be loving? Maybe it's because he didn't create you that way naturally. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this uh, last week. I'm going to say it again. There's no place in the New Testament where God commands wives to agape love their husbands. Now, some of you may find a place, it's in the book of Titus, where it says that wives are to love their husbands. That's actually a Greek word. It's the Greek word phileo, which is talking about friendship, love. And so God never tells wives to agape their husbands. He tells wives to phileo their husbands. Um, that is not fillet your husband. Um, <laughs> but he, he tells a wife to love husbands with friendship, love, because sometimes wives struggle with that. You know, every, every husband knows my wife loves me, but if you ask him on certain days, does your wife like you, he is likely to say, no, not today. <laughs> and, uh, and so God doesn't tell women to do something that they naturally do, that is their gift to do, that they're wired to do. And women, you don't naturally feel respect for a man who's not loving you tenderly. It's just not within your nature to feel that. Again, that's okay too. God didn't command you to feel it. He doesn't expect that. But again, because you're a loving person as a woman, you seek to do the loving thing by meeting your husband's need for respect. And as a man of respect, you meet her need for love, and this goes around, and, and it builds on each other, and God does incredible things. Now, one of the things that we wonder about, and some of you wives are thinking about this issue, it's this question, will anyone do these things perfectly? And we need to face this. The answer, of course, is no. Proverbs 24, 16 actually says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. He doesn't give up. He never quits. See, even when you miss, 
You can rebound. It's kind of like when the Warriors are playing. Steph Curry, most of the time he makes it, but if he misses, he shoots the ball, he knows it's not going to make it. He can run to where he thinks the rebound is going to come off the board, and if he gets to that place first, he can put it back up, score, get fouled, and score even more than he would have <laughs> when he started. And you can actually fail and make a greater impact if you will keep at it, you'll keep trying, you'll never quit. You're not going to be perfect. And so what we're talking about today is the goal. It's the ideal. It is what we are to be aspiring for, shooting for. And let me just show you four ways that a man can uh, love a woman, that he can meet his wife's greatest need. Write this one down. First of all, connect with her through one-on-one FaceTime. Genesis 2.24 says, For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. God created men and women to cleave. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Cleave in Hebrew is a word that means to permanently glue. It's something that will not come apart. It's not meant to be torn apart. Do you know that human beings are just about the only creatures that are sexually intimate face to face? We are created in the image of God, male and female. He has created us in his image. And God has given us certain visual images which are designed to help us understand that. One of them is this. God created the wife to cleave to her husband, the husband to cleave to his wife. And there's a sense in which she echoes him and he echoes her. And God just designed a woman to want to be face-to-face with her husband. She longs for that. Now, cleaving is is more than sexual. It also means spiritual. It means emotional closeness. And husbands, your wife will will feel loved when you move toward her, when you you let her know that you want to connect with her, not just with words, but also with a look or with a touch or with a smile because face-to-face closeness is a huge value for her. We see this in the Bible, women expressing this need again and again. Genesis 29, 34, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me. Genesis 30, 20, my husband will dwell with me. Song of Solomon 3, 4, when I found the one my heart loves, I held him and would not let him go. Song of Solomon 2, 6, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. This is a need, it's a huge need for women. Now, again, all this stuff that we're talking about, love and respect, are general generalizations that apply generally. And so there may be some differences in your relationship. Not every woman may want this in the same level and in the same way. They have different needs. But as a general rule, women who love their husbands want face-to-face closeness. I love Deuteronomy 24.5. It says, speaking to newlyweds, if a man is recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he is married. Now, why? Well, the Hebrews, they understood that she had needs maybe he didn't have, and in the first year of marriage with all the emotions and all the adjustments of leaving father and mother and just so many things going on, They said, you just be with her the first year. You just not go out with the army. You stay with her, make her happy. And at the end of one year, then you can go out to war and die. (laughs) They've done research, um, very fascinating, where they've taken infant girls and they put them in a crib, laying on their back, looking up. And then they have adults stand around the crib and the the little baby girl, her, her little eyes, they open up and she 
looks around and focuses and she makes contact and she locks in on human faces almost 100% of the time. They've done the same research with infant boys and they put him in a crib and lay him on his back and he opens his eyes. There's adults standing around them. He begins to focus on them and he looks at these adult faces around him until he sees the ceiling fan. <laughs> we know that, right? I mean, it's just how we are. And there's, there's just something, even within your daughter, you see this about her nature. She wants eye-to-eye contact with you. I mean, how many of you dads, you've had a daughter and she's come and she's trying to talk to you, but you're distracted with something else. Maybe you're watching TV and, and she's trying to get your attention. Have you ever had her climb up into your lap, get right in front of you, and if you're not looking at her, take, she takes her little hands on your face and turns it toward her and says, Daddy, listen to me. <laughs> I mean, it's something that's there very, very early on. See, women conclude if you're not looking, you're not listening. See, as a woman, if you're listening, you look. If you look, you're listening. And if you don't look, you're not listening. If you're not listening, it's because you're not looking. It's just in your nature. Women can't not look. You, you just feel as a woman very comfortable looking. You want to look. Again, it's not better, not worse. It's just different. Uh, in wolf packs, uh, how do the younger males relate to the alpha male? Well, they won't look at him. They might glance at him, but they, they turn away. They look away, and it's a statement. I don't want to take you on. I want to do the honorable thing. I want to show respect. And there's kind of an interesting implication in that, I think, that we see. Many of you have noticed this. When you get into a fight with your spouse, with your wife, what happens typically is your wife moves towards you, right? She is looking at you. She's talking to you. And her heart is very simple and direct here. She is seeking to do the loving thing as she understands it by moving towards you and saying, we need to talk. We need to talk right now. You look at me. And she does this, and her husband's blue glasses, he interprets that as disrespectful. And during that time, from the wife's vantage point, the husband, he keeps looking away, and sometimes he's moving away from you. You know, why? Well, maybe he's seeking to do the honorable thing, the respectful thing as he sees it, but he gets interpreted by you as unloving. Now here's what I'm saying to the men. As a man of honor, it will not ever probably be easy for you to turn to her and toward her when she comes at you in ways that that just feel to you as disrespectful. It will be hard for you to make eye contact and to say to her, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's not in your nature. But I want to encourage you to do this and I want you to watch what happens because there is power here and every woman knows what will happen if you respond in that way. So often it goes the other way. Jennifer asked Steve, hey, can we, can we be together tonight and talk? And Steve reacts, what's with you? We just went out a couple of nights to go to that chick flick and, and then we had dinner at Chili's with the Smiths a couple days later and last week we went to the zoo with the kids and you're just never satisfied. Give me a break. Well, what is she asking for? She's asking for face-to-face alone time with him. And notice those activities he mentions. Those are shoulder-to-shoulder activities, social things. You might want to write this down. Time alone with you is how she feels love. And when she feels that you don't want to be close with her face-to-face, what does she do? She reacts because you're stepping on her air hose. 
And if it continues, she will continue to act in ways that seem disrespectful to you. Men, we see through blue. We, we miss what she's trying to communicate, her heart. And when we refuse to give her alone, face-to-face time, it's an emotional killer for her. A part of the problem in this, this be honest about it, is men don't really have much need for this sort of thing, right? I mean, particularly if, if the men, if we think it's the same story over and over and over and over and over again, right? <laughs> well, she has a need you don't have. Is that okay? Again, not better, not worse, just different. If you feel like she's acting disrespectfully, then what you need to do is you need to decode. You need to think what she is actually doing. And maybe she's actually praising you by saying, I need to be alone with you. You matter more to me than any other person. I will do whatever it takes to make this happen. And I feel like you're stepping on my arrows right now, and I just can't tell that I'm actually stepping on yours too. Now this doesn't mean, and this will be helpful for you guys, uh, the men, uh, this doesn't mean face to face, hour after hour, day after day, every day. In fact, you can ask your wife about this, it's likely that it's more about frequency than length. In fact, I would encourage you to write this down, frequency, not length. I mean, maybe just giving her 15 minutes every day will meet that need that she has. She's probably not asking for hours unless she's just been in some huge deficit trying to make it all up. Here's an encouragement to you guys. Ask her what she needs. Let her tell you. Just unconditional love. If you're showing that to her, you want to meet her need. And then take action. Schedule a time alone. I mean, shut the door. It's mom and dad time. The kids are going to bang on the door, but they will love that you are in there together. I think that you will find with your wife, if she can predict it, that it's going to be there regularly, that she'll be able to save that list of things she wants to talk to you about, and then she can go through them. You might ask her, will that meet your need? And you may be surprised. Again, she has a need you don't have. Is that okay? Can you, as a man of honor, can you meet this need even when you don't see that it makes any sense? Say, women, I think all of us have seen this. Uh, women and men, we see this. Women just love to see people that are close, right? They, they love to see it. And there was this couple who was out on their 25th wedding anniversary date, and they went to a restaurant, and they were there having a meal. And, and the wife, she looks across the restaurant, and she sees this older couple that looked like they'd been married for maybe 40 years, and they're in a booth, and it's, it's obvious from the distance that they really love each other, sitting on the same side, and... He's got his arm around her. They're looking into each other's eyes. He's whispering sweet nothings into her ears. And, and this wife is watching this and just mesmerized by it. And she says to her husband, did you see that couple across the, the restaurant? And, and he says, where, where? I mean, he's not noticed them. He looks over and says, yeah, what about them? She says, well, look how he has his arm around her. Look how he's talking to her. I mean, they're close face to face. I mean, look how close they are. They're so in love. He goes, yeah. She says, well, why don't you ever do that? And he looks across the restaurant for a minute, looks at her, looks across the restaurant. He says, look, honey, I don't even know those people. (laughs) You need to remember, guys, that closeness 
is how your wife feels love. And if she's asking, acting in ways that seem disrespectful to you, will you ask yourself, maybe she's just crying out for face-to-face time alone with me. She has a need that you may not have. You made a vow to her. Can you meet her need, even if it's just a few minutes every day? Do you have the courage to look at her, even when she's coming at you? I want to tell you, this may never be easy for you, but it is always going to be worth it. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You need to work hard to understand her, not to fix her. And all the women said, I thought about showing the video we showed last week, not about the nail, showing that video again. And if you were here, you know what I'm talking about last week. If you weren't able to be here last week, you need to Google it and watch it, and it'll explain it all. But again, two couples together, uh, Jennifer complains to Sam. She says, the kids refused to go to bed that night. You left to go to L.A. for business. And, and then the phone rang at 11.30 p.m., and it woke me up, and it was a prank call, and it just got me all scared. And then the next day, got up, heater wasn't working. It was so cold in the house. And on top of all of that, I put on 10 pounds now since Christmas time, and I have nothing to wear. Well, Steve is reading the Wall Street Journal right now, and he says, do you have to talk about this right now? I mean, I'm reading the stock market report. It's an important thing. You're always interfering with my time. Besides, besides, I have told you, I've told you a thousand times that things are never as bad as you imagined. You just get yourself worked up way too much. You need to do, you need to do what I have learned to do. You just need to let stuff go. Let it roll off your back. It's really not that bad. Buck up. (laughs) That's for those of you who were here last night. Well, you hear that, and you all know it's time to spin on the crazy cycle, right? I mean, it's just going somewhere. But what does she need? She needs her husband to understand her, not to give her advice. This husband, he needs to understand what 1 Peter 3, 7 says. Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's kind of an interesting thing here. I want you to notice that it talks about the importance of a wife receiving respect from her husband. And I've said it before. I'm going to emphasize it again. This is, not, uh, this is not something that's mutually exclusive where wives get love, husbands get respect. We both need respect. We both need love. It's just a difference in the fundamental level of our need. But beyond that, I want you to understand that many people in our culture today read a verse like this. And it, it's very offensive to them. They say, this is, a, this is one of the reasons why I can't follow Christ, because the Bible teaches that women are inferior to men. But is that what Peter is saying? And the answer is no. Here's the core of this verse. In essence, what Peter is saying, he's telling husbands to live with understanding of their wives. He says they must treat them with respect, and he gives two reasons why. First, he says they are the weaker partner. Now again, this can maybe sound offensive, but what it's really saying is it's just a reference to the fact that women are generally weaker physically than men. And men must not abuse their greater physical strength. He's not saying that women are weak. He's saying they are weaker physically by comparison. But secondly, and more importantly, notice Peter says husbands are to treat their wives as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. In other words... Women and men are spiritual equals, of equal worth, equal value in God's eyes. 
And if you do not remember these two things, understanding who your wife is as a woman, valuing her as an equal, then you're not understanding your wife and you're not loving her. I mean, think about it. At its core, isn't that what our culture really is asking for? It's really what Peter is saying. It's like he's saying, you know, God's saying through the Holy Spirit to me, Mike, I designed Dana as a woman and she has certain strengths and certain weaknesses. You do too. She's vulnerable in some areas and you're vulnerable in others. And when you live with her in a way that is not understanding, she's vulnerable. Her nature isn't designed for that. You're not better than her. I see her in the same light I see you. This is what the heart of Christianity teaches and, and we get into conflict because we are different, right? We don't understand each other. In this area, men tend to be solution-oriented. We just want to fix things. Your wife comes with a problem, and you immediately kick into solution mode. You're, you're trying to fix her. And this has been going on for a long time. And so I'm going to you know, do Dr. Phil on you right now and just ask you, how's that working for you? <laughs> That's a serious question. Why do we keep doing this if we know it never works? Why do we keep trying to do it this way? Dr. Edrich has a, a great suggestion. He says, when your wife approaches you to talk, ask this question. Guys, you should write this down because you're not going to remember it uh, if you don't write it down. He says, ask this question right now. Do you need a solution or just a listening ear? And often your wife will say, I just need you to listen to me. I predict if you will begin to do this, it will save you from countless conflicts in your marriage. You see, this is just a different perspective we have. When women say that communication is the key to marriage, they're not talking about a simple exchange of information. They want to communicate for a couple of very specific reasons. First of all, she communicates to release emotions. You see, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, uh, the husband is the burden bearer. He is the Christ figure, and the wife is the church figure in this analogy. And your wife feels wonderful when she can place her burden on you. Now, we, of course, all of us ultimately place our burdens on Christ. But, men, I want you to think about this. What if we, as men, went to Christ and placed our burden on him, gave him our burdens, and then the Lord spoke to us and he said, You know, I'm just kind of fed up with this. You keep telling me the same thing week after week after week, and I have more important things to do in the cosmos than listen to your silly problems again. Besides that, you haven't done what I told you to do the last time, so this is just pointless. <laughs> See, I take that laughter to mean that you understand this words, they sound very familiar to you in some of your homes, right? <laughs> now, now, men, think of it. How would we feel if we got that response? Your wife feels loved when she releases your emotions and you just receive it. And God has designed her that way. Second, uh, she communicates to realize her emotions. Now, women may, may feel a lot of things. I mean, honestly, in, in many, many ways, women are operating at a much higher level than the guys are. You know, if you were here last night, you heard about the connection between the two hemispheres. In, in a woman, that connection is like a super highway. This is scientifically true that between right and left brain, lots of stuff is moving back and forth all the time. In a man, that connection between right and left brain, it's sort of like a two-lane country road that ambles along. And so your wife has all these things that she's kind of processing, and she can feel a lot of things. She doesn't know exactly what they are, and, but as she begins to talk through them, 
And she will process what happened through the day and she'll work back to those problems that she can't seem to get her finger on. And that's why sometimes a wife will say, can we talk? And when the husband asks his question, why? Because he thinks there has to be a reason. She doesn't really have a reason. She just had a bad day and she wants to talk about it. And, and so as a loving husband, you must realize she needs to talk to realize her emotions. And when you do this with her, when this happens, she feels loved, she feels connected. You're as a guy sitting on the other side of this saying, I don't get it, right? Well, think of it this way, men. Men have a need for sexual release in a way that most wives do not have. Is it okay for her to have a need that you don't have? Not better, not worse, just different. See, you know, part of why this is so important is just understanding the different ways that we're wired. And I talked about that superhighway and that country road. Have you ever noticed how the difference between moms and dads, how they respond to their kids? For example, let's, let's say that a five and seven-year-old are coming at the mom, they're tattling on each other. Something's happened, and they're each trying to get there first. They, they show up, and they're talking. They're going, you know, 100 miles an hour. You know, little mouths are just flying. And watch what happens as they come to the mom. What will happen is she will lean down, and she will look them in the eye, going back and forth between them. She's listening to all that they're saying, both at the same time. When she's heard it, she'll respond to one Tell them what needs to be said, send that one off, then she'll respond to the other one. Tell them what needs to be said and send them off. And she's just hardwired to process all of that coming at her, right? But what happens when dad has those two kids come at him? When dad has those two kids come at him, what you will see is something like this. One at a time, stop. Quiet. One at a time, quiet. No, quiet. Be quiet. Okay, tell me. And he'll talk to this one and send that one off, and then he gets the other one. Okay, now I'm going to talk to you. Because the dad, we can't handle it, right? (laughs) Maybe you can think of this analogy. If a wife is on the phone, she can be on the phone talking to someone, fixing dinner, telling the kids to do things, and it's all just working together, you know, all at the same time. It's all happening. But when the man's on the phone... What happens? Quiet! (laughs) Just a second, Harry. Everybody quiet. All right, Harry, go ahead. See, if, if you feel like she's acting in disrespectful ways, maybe she's just trying to tell you that she wants you to understand her. Maybe she's wanting to share her burdens with you. You're her burden bearer. Maybe it really is this huge compliment, but you're pushing her away. You're saying to her, in essence, I have more important things to do in the cosmos. And she's coming to you because she needs you, because she wants you. Now, I have to give one caveat. This is for the wives, okay? I'm putting a lot on your husbands. I want you to hear this. What I've just said here does not give you license to open up the superhighway full bore and dump everything that you've ever thought in the last eight hours on your husband when he shows up. Um, You know, this is not time for you to say, oh, this is great. Pastor Mike said that he has to listen, and so I can just tell him whatever I want to tell him, and he's just got to sit there, and he's got to look at me while I'm doing this. (laughs) I'm just trying to tell you ahead of time he's going to have trouble with that. 
men are not generally able to process all of that. And if you want us to hear you, don't overwhelm us. Be patient with us. We are slow. Yes, we understand it. We are slow. We cannot keep up with you sometime. But husbands, remember, show her love. Understand, not fix, all right? Number three, be a man and tell her I'm sorry. Be a man and tell her I'm sorry. The Bible says that a man and woman come together in marriage and they are to become one, but this never happens naturally. This always takes work. You will have conflict. I mean, how many of you, when you got married, you thought, we will be, yes, we will be the one exception in the history of the world. We won't have any fights in our marriage. Lots of people think that, right? But it never happens. Actually, let me tell you this. God intends you to have conflict. God uses conflict in your home, in your marriage to shape you and mold you, to expose the sin in your heart, to make you more like Jesus Christ. And just a couple examples, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 and 4 says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. In other words, you both have authority over each other's body. Does that sound like a recipe for conflict? Yes, and it is. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, God has designed it this way. It's part of shaping you. And this is also part of what Paul says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now this is a command to all of the body of Christ, all Christians everywhere. As we have conflict with one another, we need to submit. It's just part of life. Too much conflict is not God's will, but too little conflict is not God's will because you're not dealing with the things that are going on. Where that middle ground is is going to be different for different people in different relationships, but the point is God has willed conflict for you. Don't freak out about it. You say, how do you know this for sure? Well, Paul says this, if you marry, you have not sinned, but you will have trouble. That's a promise. Anybody ever claimed that promise in, from God's word recently? See, some of us think, well, I must have made a mistake because we have trouble in our marriage. No, you're in the center of God's will. You may be more in the center of God's will than you've ever realized. And the key is that we work through conflict, we differ with one another, and we do it in loving and respectful ways. We will differ. But as long as we are seeking to meet each other's needs and to show unconditional love and to show unconditional respect to one another and we voice our feelings while giving our spouse the benefit of the doubt, we will be able to make it through. But when we don't do that, when you find yourself saying, no one could ever love you, or when you start saying, no one could ever respect you, you're killing the spirit of your spouse. And some of you actually think that that kind of thing is going to motivate them, the The real key to motivating them is to address their deepest need and not to cut their air hose. Only a fool would conclude that. So do something different. It is risky, but God will always show up as we follow him. Can you trust him to do that? See, a guy came to his pastor once and said, every time my wife and I get in a fight, she just gets all historical. The pastor said, "Uh, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She just brings up everything I ever did from the past. (laughs) And wives can be sometimes pretty good at getting historical because they remember everything. And husbands often say, well, let's just drop it. But man, you need to know that's not how she thinks. And she may drop it for a while, but if you don't resolve it, she'll bring it back. She'll come back to it. 
Again, men need to hear this. When she does this, it is because at the bottom of all of this, she is trying to reconcile with you. She is trying to be one with you. She is trying to have love and intimacy and closeness with you. She's not trying to provoke you. It is her way of saying, you matter to me more than anyone else in the world. I love you more than anyone else in the world. I want to be at peace with you. And here's where you have to be a man of honor. Men typically deal with conflict without a lot of talking, right? We don't, you know, we don't share our feelings. Guys never say, hey, let's go, let's go to Starbucks and, and let's just share our hearts for an hour or two. <laughs> when we have a conflict, we may apologize to one another, but as a rule, it's often just kind of taken for granted among men. Let's just drop it and we move on. But if you you try to tell your wife to drop it, she will secretly conclude that you are angry with her and it's not over to her. And you haven't brought it full circle, so she'll bring it back up. So again, I'm telling you, be a man. Tell her, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And you do this out of honor, even if you think, men, even if you think you're only 20% guilty. I have a question for you, men, and I'm going to put it on the screen. I want you to write it down. Are you man enough to ask your wife to forgive you without defending or blame? Are you man enough? See, this is hard because when a woman says, I'm sorry, it, it leads, as she perceives it, to an increase in love. But when a man says, I'm sorry, it feels to him like he's losing respect. And this is especially true if the wife brings something up again because she's not convinced that he really means it. She just thinks the issue is not resolved. And so it has to be talked about some more. And he thinks she just violated the honor code. Now, maybe there's some male pride here. But again, women, be sure you're not missing his need for respect. But this is for the men today. So men, let me say it again. You need to learn to say, I'm sorry. And you need to say it without defending. You need to say it without blaming. You need to understand that when you defend, your wife will personalize it and she will see it as blame. She will walk off, hands in the air. It's always me. It's always my fault. Even if you think that she's 80% guilty, you need to own up to and you need to confess your 20%. Even if you think you're righteous, you're probably not. But if you think you are, you need to say, I'm sorry for being unloving. Will you forgive me? Because it is the Holy Spirit's job to apportion the blame and the responsibility, not yours. And then on top of that, let me just tell you this, and some of you know this in your life. It is amazing how when you take care of the 20%, the 80% somehow begins to take care of itself right? Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And, and, and men, remember this, women, when you respond in love, will tend to move quickly into self-deprecation. You own your responsibility, and she'll often say, oh, it's not you, it's me, I know, I'm worse than you, will you forgive me? Every man who's been honest and humble knows this about her. The question is, do we want to trigger what is so easy to trigger? Do we want to start the crazy cycle again, or do we want to do what God says? Be humble, don't blame, just say, I'm sorry. 
The Bible actually commands us to confess our sins to each other. James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And again, if she's acting in disrespectful ways, maybe it's her way of saying, I just want to resolve this thing. I just want us to have love. And sometimes the truth is, and maybe this is some of you here right now, you are both good-willed people, but you are on, literally on the cliff edge of divorce because neither of you will say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And it was never ill will. It's just male and female. It's just pink and blue. It's just designed by God, and you've just been misreading all of this, and you have hate, and you have bitterness in your spirit. Some of you husbands, you may be thinking right now, you know, Mike, I've tried doing this before. I have humbled myself. It still hasn't worked. It still hasn't been enough. She still treats me with disrespect. Here's my question to you. And it really applies to everything that I'm saying today. It's this. Will you obey God's command? Will you love her unconditionally even if she doesn't respond with respect? See, God's command is clear. Love your wife like Christ loved his church, giving his life for her. Love your wife as you love your own body. There are no escape clauses here. There are no exceptions here. You obey God or you don't. Will you do what God says no matter what? Now let me show you the last thing. We need to make sure she knows you treasure her above all else. Again, 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, you, you grant her honor. You ever notice, men, that women don't typically want to be viewed as queen, but as princess? The husband wants his wife to look up to him because he sees himself as an umbrella of protection. He, he takes on that responsibility to die for you. He's the leader, and women don't typically want their husbands to look up to them as the provider and protector. She wants not to be queen, but princess. She wants to have that eye-to-eye contact, that special closeness and intimacy, that honor as an equal. She wants to be cherished. See, one way that men often fail to cherish their wives is with their eyes with how they looked at other women. Job said in Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Men, your wife is a one-man woman. She needs to know that you are a one-woman man. And she sees you sometimes watch other women. And I'm not talking about a glance, but you know what I'm talking about. And it is hurtful to her Men, you need to understand it would be like her coming to you and saying, you know what, Joe, down the street, He just got his third promotion, and he looks like Ryan Gosling, and he's remodeled the whole house for Katie, and all their kids are star athletes, and he's got two new cars. Why aren't you more like him? See, that's how she feels when she sees you looking at other women. It's just a symbol. It's huge in her world, and especially as she ages, she's going to feel more and more insecure. She's going to ask, do you love me? And if you're one of those guys that says, look, I told you I loved you 25 years ago. If anything changes, I'll let you know. (laughs) If you're that guy, let me tell you, she's not asking for information. She's asking for reassurance. Do you love me? 
I have to ask you guys, do you ever communicate something like this to your wives? It's gonna be on the screen. How beautiful and how delightful you are, my love, with all your charms. Does your wife ever hear you men speak highly about her in front of other people? This comes from Proverbs 31. Her children stand up and call her blessed. Her husband also rises up and he praises her. He says, many women do noble things, but you are better than all the others. You say, it seems like she's acting in these disrespectful ways. Well, maybe she's insecure about your loyalty. Maybe no one has told her about your need for respect. Maybe she's just panicking in the midst of all this and what you're feeling is just the cry of her heart. She just wants to know that you're putting her first. And we get into this stuff and we're passing judgment on each other, men to women, women to men, and we're different with different issues, different metabolisms, different ways of looking at the world. Is that okay? Can we come to a point where we understand that? This woman got off the phone and said to her husband, I was just talking with my sister and she's, she's taking a carpentry class now. She's building a rocking chair and she was taking that gourmet cooking class before that. She's always making something. She makes everything. What do I ever make? Her husband looked at her and he said, you make me happy. <laughs> I have to say, guys, we, we tend to be a little thick. I just have to ask you, did you hear that? See, she's going to get on the phone again to all her friends and is going to say, he said, I make him happy. <laughs> she's going to write it in her journal. She's going to go look at that again and again and draw energy from that time and time and time again, maybe for months because God has just wired her that way. And there are certain things, men, that you say to her, they may seem so little to you, but they do something huge in her spirit. Will you love her as Christ loved the church? Will you show her unconditional love? Now again, I want to conclude with this. What I've challenged husbands with today is easy to understand, but it's very hard to do consistently. And so I want to encourage the wives, be patient with your husband, okay? Be patient. He is probably going to be sort of slow at this. He is not naturally good at this. Some of you are all excited about this. This is so wonderful. I've been wanting my husband to see this. Thank you, thank you, Pastor Mike, for telling him everything that he really needs to know that I know he'll start doing tomorrow perfectly, just all the time, every day, in every way. And you think this is so easy because it's natural for you, but it's not for him. He has to think about it. It doesn't come naturally. He's not gonna do it right. He's gonna make some mistakes Hear me, he's gonna make some mistakes even when he's trying really hard. And some of you wives need to write that down so you'll remember. There was this couple, they'd been married for 18 years and uh, the woman had a cat, it was her favorite pet, 14 years of their marriage. They both had careers, they didn't have kids and she traveled a lot with her job. Her mom was a widow, had just recently moved in with them, and so she goes on this trip, and after she's been gone for three days, she calls home just to check in, and her husband answers the phone. She asks him how things are going, and he says, well, your cat's dead. And she loved that cat, and she says, oh, no, I can't believe my cat's dead. This is horrible. This is horrible. You know what? I can't believe that you just said my cat is dead. 
You just blurted it out. You, you, could have, you could have said something like, well, the cat's on the roof. Can you call me back in five minutes and we can talk? And then I would have called back in five minutes and you would have said, well, the, the fireman guy here, they got the cat down. They're trying to resuscitate the cat. Can you call back in five more minutes and then we can talk? And then I would have called back in five minutes and, and, and you could have said, well, the cat's gone to cat heaven. <laughs> but you just blurted out, the cat's dead. You men are all alike. Oh, forget it. How's mother? Um, she's on the roof. <laughs> You know, the reason I like that story is that's a guy whose heart is in the right place, okay? <laughs> He's trying to apply what he just learned. And your husband is going to try. He's going to try. He may not bring you flowers, but he's fixed the faucet. He's going to try to do what I said, but he's going to get it wrong sometimes because it's not natural for him. So can I just leave you with this? Can I just encourage you to give him some grace? He needs it. But of course, so do you. Of course, so do all of us. We all need God's grace. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. Father, uh, we give you thanks again for your word, your word which clarifies and teaches us, your word which helps us, Lord, to see truth and reality. And Lord, where we, we still don't understand, we ask you, uh, honestly, Lord, would you open our eyes? And Lord, where we understand, but we don't want to submit to you and to your ways, we ask you, would you humble our spirits? Lord, help us even now as we wrestle through these issues to trust you because you are the creator, because you are the, the infinitely wise Lord. Lord, we, we trust you with our marriages. We trust you with our needs. We, we trust you with our conflicts. Lord, we trust you with our lives, with our everything. Lord, help us to be your people, changed by your Holy Spirit, because we have met you through your Son, Jesus the Christ. And Lord, as we work through these things, would you help us to remember that no matter what, you love us unconditionally, and we know that, Lord, because you sent your only Son, Jesus, and he came to this earth, and he died on the cross for our sins when we didn't deserve it, that you love us no matter what, that you love us in spite of our sin, you just love us, Father. And as we wrestle and as we struggle, as we strive, as we fail to do what you tell us to do sometimes, Father, would you remind us of your grace and may we each give each other that grace. And through it all, may our lives give you honor and may our lives give you glory. We pray these things now, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, our Savior, and all God's people said, amen. amen.